series. This is week five of this series we've been in called Blessed to Be a Blessing. Uh, and what we've been doing is focusing on the fact that God has blessed us. We've talked about it every single week. We have all been blessed. The Bible says all good things come from above. Uh, we're blessed to have the health that we have. To be able to be here today means that God has blessed you with the health to be able to make your way to this place today. We're blessed to have this incredible church that God's blessed for 115 years. Uh, some of you have been here that entire time, and that's awesome. But uh, this church has been right here at, th at this location, in this spot, for 115 years. And God has greatly blessed this church and used this church in this community. We have been so blessed. Uh, and, and so we've been talking about that, but what we've been focusing on is this. With that blessing, with the blessings that we have been given in our personal lives, in our families, in this church, in the community, right? With the blessings that we have received comes a responsibility, all right, it's not just about, hey, I'm blessed, God wants me to have fun and party hard and, you know, live to the very end. You know, it's, it's not about that. God has blessed us. We, we, we have the blessing. God predetermined that you and I would be born and be in Greenbrier, Arkansas in 2019, right? That we would be in these great United States of America and have the freedoms that a lot of people around this world don't have or enjoy. And it's not just because he liked you better. Right? It's because he had a plan for your life, and that plan was for you to be here right now, that you would be blessed to be a blessing. With the blessings that he's given you comes a responsibility of what you do with those blessings. And so that's what we've been talking about uh, over the last few weeks. And I believe that we've, we've got to get this. We've got to understand this in order to understand and consider what it is that God wants to do in and through us in the days ahead. Not just personally, but as a church. We need to understand that we've been blessed to be a blessing so that we, we can be aware and be looking for where God wants to take us in the future because He is not done with us yet. And I've said it time and time again. If God was finished with you, you wouldn't be breathing right now. And, and, and so if you've still got breath in your lungs, you're blessed and God wants us to take those blessings and be a blessing to others. And so we've been talking about it kind of from a, from a high level as far as our church goes. But then we've also been trying to tie it in personally to our lives. And I've been asking you this question every single week. I'm going to ask it again this morning. Where has God blessed you? Where has God blessed you? And what does He intend for you to do with that? What does he intend for you to do with the blessings that he's given you? Because you've been given these blessings on purpose, for a purpose. So where has God blessed you? How has God blessed you? And what does he intend for you to do with those blessings? Because I believe once we understand that we've been blessed to be a blessing, not only will it change our church, but it will change our lives personally. And it will change our families as well. And so, uh, you know, it, it will challenge us, at least it should challenge us to re-ask, what is my role in the mission of God? What is, what is my role in all of what God is wanting to do? He has me here right now at this place for a reason. 
So, so what is that reason, and what is my role in the big picture and the scheme of things and the scheme of what God is wanting to do here on this earth? And so what we've been doing the past four weeks of this series is looking at one of the most important people in human history, the father of our faith, Father Abraham, right? And, and we've been looking at how God blessed Abraham. And not only does he bless us, but when he blesses us, he multiplies those blessings in our lives. And so we've been looking at, at, at how that happened in Abraham's life. That, you know, he had, he had blessed his life for eternal significance. And then we've also been paying close attention to the path that God led Abraham down in order to accomplish this. And what we've been learning is this, the same path, the same faith, faith path, the same path of obedience, the same faith of trust that Abraham traveled, you and I must travel as well. And, and so uh, we, we, uh, I believe every single one of us that are here today, I, I'm going to speak for you and say, I believe that you want your life to count for something, right? At the end of the road, at the end of the journey, when it all comes to an end, I honestly believe that you want your, your life to count for something. That you want to make a difference. Because God has instilled that. When He created us, we were created with that. That we want to make a difference. He gave us that hunger. He gave us that appetite to make a difference in the world. And He gave us that for a reason. Why is that reason there? To make an eternal significance in this world while we were here. Isn't that what you want, to get to the end of your life and, and know that you did more in your life than just pay the bills? I mean, you did more with your life than just invested into somebody else's company? <laughs> you know, there, there's more to it than, than just having a, a job when you get to the end of your life that, that you know that you did more than just build up a nice retirement fund. It cracks me up how much attention... Uh, I pay. I'm, 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 I'm a whole lot worse person than a lot of you. It amazes me how much uh, attention I pay to my retirement fund these days, right? Uh, and uh, last quarter, it lost like, I, I don't even know, I think I told Lynette, 25%. I don't even remember how much it lost. Uh, I keep hearing, people keep telling me uh, the economy is better than it's ever been, and I'm watching my retirement, and I'm like, somebody's lying somewhere, Right? And so, you know, but when we get to the end of our life, does it really matter? Because that uh, retirement fund that I have built up, honestly, my kids are going to get it. <laughs> you know, so what's the point? So Lynette and I are going to spend it all. I, I told my kids, I told my kids, when I die, I'm going to have one dime to my name, and I'm going to swallow it right before I take my last breath. <laughs> The only thing I'm leaving my boys is a payment book to a brand new Ford pickup. I can assure you that. But, I mean, wouldn't it be nice to get to the end of your life and know that it was more than that? That you had spent your life, your time here on this earth doing more than just occupying space? Well, I believe you do. And so we've been looking at how Abraham had this great faith. I mean, he's the father of our faith. He had this great faith. We, we've seen stories of Abraham and this incredible obedience and, and situations where, you know, I look at it and go, boy, I, I don't know if I could have done that. I don't know if I could have laid my son on the altar. 
you know, and, and so we've seen, you know, story after story of, of great faith, great obedience. And we've seen how he took God's blessings and he became a blessing to everyone else, which includes you and I. We're part of that blessing as well. But this morning, as we close out this series, I want to take a look at another aspect of Abraham's path and another aspect of his life that we haven't really talked about uh, yet. But there were times in Abraham's journey where Abraham wasn't always totally obedient. <laughs> okay? There were times in, in Abraham's journey that he just didn't get it right. And, and so I, I want to I look at one of those situations this morning starting off. I want to pick it up here in chapter 12, verse 10. And to be honest with you, this passage of Scripture really has nothing to do with the message today. But I just think it's funny. And so uh, that's what we're going to look at. Chapter 12, verse 10 starts out, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was so severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Love deposit, right? Love bank deposit. Those of you that have been through our marriage group, you know what I'm talking about. Love bank deposit. You know, Sarah, you're so beautiful. You're such a beautiful woman. You know, God's blessed me to give me a beautiful wife that I don't mind waking up to every day and looking at, you know. Verse 12. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me. <laughs> I love his reasoning. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. So, say you're my sister. So that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Do, do you get what Abraham's saying here? He's telling his wife to say that she is actually his sister. Alright? So if when you know when we get to Egypt and Pharaoh and all of his cronies see you and they see how beautiful you are, then they won't be tempted to kill me and take you to make him his wife because you'll tell them that you're my sister. And not my, are, are you kidding me? Really? I, I mean, what is this? The Jerry Springer show. This, this is something that you would see on Springer. And, and if you never watch Jerry Springer, you are better for that. All right? Or is this our father of faith having a lack of faith? Huh? You know, Abram, do you really not believe that God, who promised, by the way, to make you a great nation can keep the Egyptians from stealing your wife and killing you? You know, now don't miss this. Abraham, he didn't always get it right. He didn't always get it right, and in a weird kind of way, I find comfort in this. <laughs> and you should too, because I don't know about you, but I don't always get it right. All right, My life has not always been a life of total obedience. My life has not always been a life of great faith kind of faith that I should have in, in a great God. I, I've shared with you before that I knew as a teenager that God was calling me to go into ministry. I, I knew it without a doubt. When I, was a, when I was a little kid in church and I would listen to sermons and I, and, and, and I would hear it and there was a particular evangelist that would come to our church every once in a while from, from North Carolina and he would preach these incredible messages and he would sell tapes because that's what evangelists do is they 
sell tapes. And so I bought t- these cassette tapes of all of my favorite sermons that he preached. I even have a book, still have the book in my office, uh, that has some of these sermons that I love to hear him preach. And I remember thinking as a little bitty kid, if I'm ever in a place where I get to preach, I'm preaching this right here. And you've heard many of those sermons. Uh, But I I knew as a teenager God was calling me into the ministry. And I did everything within my power not to do that. Right? I did not want to be a preacher. I had preachers in my family, and I didn't want that life. I didn't want that responsibility. I didn't want those people. I, I, I saw the way preachers got treated. First hand in our family. I didn't want that. I didn't want to be a part of that. And so I did everything in my power not to do that. And I actually didn't fully surrender to God to go into the ministry until I was 30 years old. And so I look back at my life and I see where I have stumbled. I see where I have fallen. I've seen where I didn't have great faith. I've seen where I lacked obedience to God. And so, you know, I know that we've seen over these past weeks some of Abraham's great steps of faith and Abraham's great obedience that he had. But if you study closely his whole life, that wasn't always the case. He wasn't perfect. He had issues. In fact, there are at least five different instances where Abraham gets it wrong. Five different situations in his life where he he drops the ball. And we see this one here in chapter 12. And then the second one, some of you are familiar with, over in chapter 16, when he gets worried after a few years, you know, because God still hasn't given him this son that he's been promised, right? And so he and his wife, are, they're getting older. They're getting later in years. God's promised them this son. They still don't have this son. So he and Sarah get together, and they say, well, since God's not fixing this, why don't we just take it into our own hands, and we'll fix it ourselves, And so uh, Sarah suggests that that it it must be her, the reason they're not having children. And so she encourages Abraham to sleep with their servant girl named Hagar. And then Hagar gets pregnant by Abraham. She gives birth to a son who they name Ishmael, which is a whole different can of worms we don't have time to get into today. Right? And, and, And so now... Uh, Abraham and Sarah, you know, are probably thinking, you know, finally success. Abraham finally has this son. God's been telling us all along that we're going to have a son. So finally, you know, we've made that happen. And everyone should be happy about that. But do you really think that this was good for Abraham and Sarah's marriage? I mean, think about it. Say you and your wife can't have kids, and so one night in frustration, she says, well, why don't you just sleep with the lady that cleans the house and see if you can get her pregnant, right? And so you do, and she does. You know, do you really think your wife is going to be pleased with you? (laughs) You know, men, show of hands, whose wife would be all right with that? (laughs) So Sarah is not okay with it now. Even though it was her suggestion, man, I don't know. Go figure them out yourself. I haven't yet. It was Sarah's suggestion, and now she's mad that he did what he told her to do. She, he was told. So Sarah, but anyway, Sarah's upset. She starts abusing Hagar, right? There's resentment there. She starts being mean, treating her cruel, simply for doing what Sarah had asked her to do to begin with. 
You know, and Abraham, he just kind of stays out of it. He's like, okay, girls, you're both nuts. I'll let y'all work that out. But seriously, he allows Sarah to continue to abu- uh, continue this abuse on Hagar. So, you know, that's failure number three that we see. And then in Genesis 17, this is crazy. God reappears to Abraham once again to renew his promise that he's given Abraham, to renew this promise that, yes, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son through your wife, Sarah. And there in chapter 17, verse 17 says, Abraham fell on the ground laughing at God. (laughs) Your father of faith laughs in God's face. All right, think about that. And and so I, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a little bit better about my messed up life right now, aren't you? And so we've seen over the past few weeks that Abraham, he does finally get it right. You know, and and he does trust God, and he's eventually obedient to God. But here's the focus for today, and I don't want you to miss this, but after failing again and again and again, where was it that Abraham finally got the, to make the right decision? To do the right thing. Where is it that Abraham finally got this confidence that God was going to do what God had said and God was going to keep his promise? All right, well, I think we can find it over in chapter 15. So if you want to flip over to chapter 15 now this morning, I want to look at this. Abram is in one of his times of, of doubt. He's having some doubts about God because actually he's getting very old and still no son. And so God reappears to him again and basically says this. Chapter 15, starting in verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And Abram was like, thanks God. That helps so much. I'm, I'm so much better now and... That'll probably make a great uh, song someday that old people won't like to sing in the church. And I so appreciate the good word and the lyrics to the contemporary song. But actually, that's not what he says. If you skip on down to verse 3, he says, And Abram said, You have given me no children. Abram's basically saying this, well, God, speaking of that reward, speaking of that child that you have promised me, where is he? Where is he? You have given me no children. And so what's Abram doing here? He's having doubts, right? Again, his mind's filled with doubts. He's questioning God. And now I want you to look at what God does. So God took him outside, and he said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them all. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Another reminder from God. Another reminder of the promise that that he's been given. So what's God doing here? He's reminding him here again of this promise that he has been blessed to be a blessing. Right, And he's showing him the stars and says, this is the limit. (laughs) There is no limit. 
And, and, and so, you know, then comes that famous verse, one of the most famous verses on faith in the entire Bible. Paul uh, quotes it over in the New Testament to say, to show us that this is how we get saved and accept Christ. Look at verse 6. God's word says, Then Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So Abraham believes what God said. So way to go, Abraham. That's what, that was all it took right there. But then after one of the most famous verses on faith in the Old Testament, if not the whole Bible, Abram says this in verse 8. But sovereign Lord, how can I know? Because he still got doubts, right? He's still filled with doubt. and he, You know, I believe he's probably doubting two things here that we all struggle with. His first doubt is this. God, how can I trust you? How, how can I trust you? Because... God, it's been like two decades since you made this promise, by the way. I'm not keeping count, but two decades. And, and so, you know, are you, are you really going to keep your word, or is this some carrot that you keep dangling in front of me for some, you know, crazy reason or whatever? You know, and so he, he's, he's doubting God at this point. He's doubting if, if God is going to keep his promise and keep his word. And then the second doubt that I'm sure Abraham having, is having during this as well is the same one that you and I probably have most of the time. Abraham is probably thinking, how can I trust me? <laughs> I know me, right? And I've proven to be pretty unreliable. I, I, I've proven that I can make a mess. And I can do it over and over and over again. Well, I, I want to look at God's answer here as Abraham continues to live in this doubt. And I want to look at God's answer and reply here in verse 9 and 10. I'm just going to summarize. All right, but God basically says this in this vision. He says, bring me five animals. Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, a dove, and a pigeon. Okay, cut the animals in half. Right, he doesn't tell him to do it with the birds, just the, the animals. Cut them in half, and he says, lay, them on op lay the halves on opposite sides of one another, creating a walkway or a trough or a trail for the blood to flow. All right, now, this sounds crazy and this sounds weird, but this would have been very familiar to Abraham uh, back in this time. And, and I know this is PG-13 stuff. But it's why I didn't preach on this on Family Sunday last week. Um, because you'd have had to went home and explain to your kids why we cut the pets in half. But, but what this is, and, and this is so important, this is the way back then that they would have made a covenant with one another. All right? This was how they made a contract. All right? This is how they made offers on houses back then. <laughs> All right? So, so this was how it worked. Instead of writing out a contract and, and instead of signing it, what they would do is they would cut a few animals open and they would walk through the stream of blood, allowing it to splash up on their robes, basically signifying this. If I don't keep my end of this deal, may this happen to me. Okay? That was the contract. That was the covenant that they were making when they were doing this. When they walked through the blood, basically they were saying, if I don't keep my end of the bargain, may this happen to me. And, and now look at verse 12. 
says this, As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Verse 17, A smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared. And by the way, this is the same description that is used to describe God's presence on Mount Sinai. All right, And, and so this is the presence of God that, that he's seeing here. The presence of God appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. So don't miss this. God went through the pieces. God went through the blood. So who didn't go through it? Abram didn't, did he? We see no account that Abram walked the path, went through the blood. And in those days, here's the deal. Here's why this is so important. If a king were to make a covenant with a servant, if a king were to make a a, a deal with someone lower than him or a servant, the servant would walk through that alone because the king was the king and they knew he was good for it. Right? They knew that, you know, the servant walked through alone because it was just assumed that the king would keep his end of the deal. The king would keep his end of the agreement. But here, don't miss this. The king goes through. And the servant doesn't. And this is huge. The meaning of this is so clear when you know the big picture, when you know the whole story. And it's basically this. What what is being said here in, in this instance is this. If God fails to keep his side of the bargain, he will pay with his blood. If Abram fails to keep his side of the bargain, God also will pay with his blood. This is huge. Not only is it huge for Abraham, it's huge for you. And it's huge for me. You know, God makes himself responsible for both sides. For both sides of the agreement, both sides of the covenant. And God is telling Abram, if you fail, I pay the penalty. I'll pay the penalty. I'll pay your fine. Right? Now let me ask you. In this Old Testament story, do you see Jesus in this? (laughs) Do you see yourself in this? Father Abraham had many sons. We're an extension of this blessing. We're an extension of this covenant that God made with Abraham thousands of years ago. And just like Abraham fell into a deep sleep, I want you to think about it. You and I, We were in a deep, dreadful sleep and darkness of sin. All right? And the gospel tells us in the New Testament also this, that when Jesus was crucified, this dreadful darkness descended upon the whole earth when when that took place. And Jesus' blood flowed out of him like it would flow out of those animals that were being sacrificed. Was God's son dying 
because he hadn't kept up his end of the deal? Was God's son dying because he hadn't kept up his end of the, the covenant? No, he was dying because you and I couldn't keep up our end of the deal. He, he was dying for us. He took uh, that, that great song that, that we sang as, as kids. He took my sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own. He bore my burden to Calvary. And there he suffered and died alone. Where was I? Where were you? Because we were the rightful owners of that death, uh, of that crucifixion. And because of this, this is where Abraham, this is like the trigger. This is like the turning point that we see in Abraham's life. And that we see, you know, over in chapter 22, we looked at a few weeks ago, when he was called on to sacrifice his son, and he showed this bold faith and this great courage and this obedience to do what God had asked him to do. This scene right here was what gave Abraham the assurance to go forward, this assurance of what God was going to do and how God was going to see this promise through all the way to the end. Abraham got it now. He just needed the right picture, right? He needed the right sermon illustration to see. I get it now. His promise is good, and he's going to see it through all the way to the end, right? Even though Abraham himself knew he, it wasn't anything that he could do, Right? Because Abraham knew himself well. I just keep making a mess of things. I just keep throwing my wife under the bus. I just keep making, you know, bad decision after bad decision. But listen, folks, here's the deal. Our confidence does not come from within us. Our confidence as children of God does not come from within us. It comes from what He has done for us. What He has already done. And not only will he keep his end of the bargain, he's going to make up for where we mess up. Y'all should be more excited about this. Holy cow. Oh, that's, I'm not supposed to say that on platform. I'm sorry. Someone may have been offended by that. But good grief. This is such good news for you and me. This is, this is huge. And it was through the blood where we see God's commitment to us to carry it out all the way through, right? And so here's what that means. No matter where you are, no matter how badly you have stumbled, no matter what it is that you have done wrong, you can get up from that and go forward in faith, all right? You can get up from that, whatever it was. Whatever it is, you can get up and go forward in faith because God's commitment to you is still in place. The covenant to you is still in place. It hasn't ended. Right? A contract can be torn up. The blood has been shed. And it can't be cleaned up. Right? Abraham, Abraham fell at least five times, we see here. But each time, Abraham said, God says to Abraham, Abraham, get up. Get up, Abraham. I still have a plan. I've still made a promise. And I intend to keep it. And I believe there's somebody here today that's messed up and maybe they've messed up really, really bad that needs to know God has not given up on you. The covenant is still in place. The promise is still there for your life. And He still has a plan for you. And He has a plan for the rest of your life. No, we don't always get it right. 
We're not perfect. I know some of you came to church this morning and you think you're sitting around perfect people, but I know most of them, and they're as screwed up as you are. (laughs) We're not perfect just because we're Christians. We're not perfect just because we come to church. God knows that. That's why, you know, we were praying earlier. God's, he's, He's making this into who He wants us to be. And every once in a while, we saw this a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, sometimes he just takes the clay that he's been working on for a while, and he's just like, start over, you know? And that's never a pleasant experience for you and me, but sometimes it's what has to happen. Sometimes we just have to be available to God and say, okay, God, start over, do over. Mold me, shape me, make me into who you want me to be. And when that is completed, you know who you will look like? Just like your daddy. You'll look just like your father when he's done. But we don't always get it right. But that doesn't mean that God's given up. That doesn't mean that God's got up and walked away from the potter's wheel. I love Proverbs 24, 16. I've shared this lots of times. I'll probably share it a lot more times. But it says this, For though the righteous fall seven times, they will rise up again. (laughs) And we rise again and again and again. Because the blood has not lost its power. The blood still saves. The blood still sanctifies. And the blood still cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Y'all are not near enough excited. That is great news for you and for me. Not because of anything we have done. Not because any blood that we have shed... Not because we're better or deserve it more than anyone else. But because of what Jesus did for us on our behalf. Listen, friends, every single one of us are sitting here blessed today. I don't care what it is you've gone through, whatever it is you're going through, or how you feel today. You're sitting here blessed today. You still have breath in your lungs. Right? You're blessed today. And his promise is this to you. Same promise he made to Abraham. I will bless you so that you may be a blessing. So this morning, if you're a child of God, if you're his child and you have claimed the blood of Jesus over your life and over your sins, just know today that you can trust him with your future because the covenant is still in place. So back to the question that we've asked every single week. And Robert, maybe put it back up on the screen for us. Where has God blessed you and what does He intend for you to do with that? What does He intend for you to do with that blessing? How has God spoken to you over these past five weeks? about taking the blessings that He's given you and being a blessing to others. And can I just tell you this morning that whatever the answer to that question is, where has God blessed you and what does He intend for you to do with that blessing? We can come up with an answer in our own mind that we're comfortable with. We can offer a suggestion up to God to answer this question, something that we know we can do. It won't hurt too bad. It won't be too great of a sacrifice. But this is something, God, that I know that I can do without failing. 
And so we answer the question based on what we think we can do. Can I ask you this morning to look at that question and go, what would require great faith? What, what is it that would require me to have great faith? Something that I know that maybe doesn't make sense. Something I know that I couldn't do on my own. And I don't know how God's speaking to your heart in what area or, or whatever. I don't know. I just know the Holy Spirit speaks to people in different ways. So what is it that God's been speaking to you about that would take great faith for that promise to be fulfilled? Take great faith for it to happen. Because here's the deal. If it doesn't require faith, it's just actually just something that we can do without God. Honestly, if it doesn't require faith, then it really doesn't require a dependence or a need for God to even be at work. And I've been praying that you would continue to struggle with this question. I've been praying that I would continue to struggle with this question and that it doesn't just stop because the series has ended. But I'm praying that God keeps this question in front of you and in front of me in the days ahead and so this is a great message to us personally this is a great reminder to us personally but I believe that it's also a great reminder to the church it's a great reminder to this church have we always gotten it right probably not you know have we maybe at times lost our focus probably so but he's not finished with us yet. He made a covenant with us that we would be blessed to be a blessing. And, and he's not finished with us. And, and so this morning, you know, as your pastor, more now than ever, I want to lead us as the body of Christ to be a blessing to this community and to be a blessing, not just to this community, but the entire world. And, 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 you know, it's what we've been called to do. To take the blessings that he's poured out on us. And like Abraham, in Abraham's life, take those blessings and then God multiplies those blessings. And then enables us to be a blessing to others. And, and in that, we've been blessed to go and make disciples. See, Jesus tied this all together right before he left. You've been blessed to be a blessing. You've been blessed to be a blessing so that the kingdom of God would increase. So that his kingdom would grow. And Jesus said, so therefore, go and make disciples. Not sit here and wait for them to come to us. They're not coming. Jesus said, go make disciples. I'm going to tell you, this world has changed a lot. And you may not agree with me, but that's okay. You're just wrong. Um, I'm kidding. This world's changed a lot. And I've been hearing... Uh, uh, a lot of leaders speak to this uh, 
over the past several months, but our world has changed. And so we've got to change the way we do kingdom work. Um, when I was a kid, you used to announce that you were having a revival and you had a big time evangelist coming in. And everybody came. Even the lost. They would come. Why would they come? Because the church was highly respected back then. People held the church in high regard. They knew the church was a place where people could get help and seek help. And they were good and honest and faithful people in the church. Folks, I hate to tell you this, but the church is not viewed that way anymore in this world. The church is no longer respected in this world. The church is no longer held in high regard. The church is looked upon mostly in a skeptical way. And so they are not coming here to find out what we know. They are not coming here to get help or to give their lives uh, to Jesus. They're not coming here to see what it is that we have to offer. I believe that's why Jesus specifically said, go. Go and make disciples. Go be a blessing out there. Take the blessings that you've received in here from God and, and go take those blessings to them. Go build the kingdom out there. We're in pretty good shape in here, except for a few of you. <laughs> That's between you and God. <laughs> Hell's hot, just saying. He told us to go, make disciples. Go build the kingdom. And here's the deal. He promised that he would bless that. Huh? He promised he was going with us. He promised the help that we would need when He sent the Holy Spirit. He said, I know you can't do this on your own, but I'm going with you. And you've got all the help that you need to go and make disciples. Folks, I don't know about you, but God's been convicting my heart that we sit and stay too often when the call is to go. We've been blessed to be a blessing. He made a contract. He made a covenant. And said, this is my promise. And I'm going to see it through all the way to the end. And he signed it with his blood. That's the promise that you and I have today. It's a promise that we can live in. And it's a promise that we can count on in our lives, in our families and in the church. So this morning, I close with this. You've been blessed. Now go and be a blessing. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to celebrate with a young lady who's going to be baptized today. God, I thank you today so much for this incredible love that you showed us through this covenant that was made. We thank you for your son Jesus who came to pay the ultimate price for our sins, to pay a sin debt that we had tallied up 
and he didn't deserve it, but we did. And we thank you for that kind of love and that kind of mercy and grace that's been extended to us. God, I just thank you today for this powerful message that you've given us. That today we would take what it is that you have spoken into our lives and into our church. God, and you would find us faithful and you would find us obedient with that today. Your word doesn't return to you void. That's another promise that we have. And so I know that you're at work. I know that you're working my life and many others. But God, today I just pray if there be someone here that has stumbled, maybe gotten off the path, maybe done something that they know was really, really bad. God, I just pray today that they would find comfort in the fact that the father of our faith struggled. The father of our faith didn't always get it right. And we're not going to always get it right. But that doesn't mean that you back out of the contract that you made with us, back out of the covenant. It's good. So God, today you've spoken some hope into some people's life. You've renewed uh, what they knew. But today I just pray that they would embrace it in a whole new way. So God, today I thank you for what you're doing here and I thank you for what you're doing in your church and I pray that uh, we'd always be checked when we get comfortable to want to sit and stay. That the call was not that. The call was to go, be a blessing, and make disciples. And God, I pray that when you return, you will find your church faithful in doing that very thing. That you will find us personally faithful of the call that you've placed on every single one of our lives, not just pastors and missionaries, but every single one of us have been called to go and make disciples. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for trusting us enough to allow us to represent you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray.